This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Fred Katz. Is Shake Milton the best player in the NBA whose first name is an imperative? You know... Bam Adebayo? I, I like that. Although, is Great Shake, job by you. Yeah. Is Shake a nickname for, for Shake Milton? It might be, Milton? but so is Bam. Right. right that's, well, that's what I was... I was oh. curious if Shake's wasn't, in which case... Because Bam is Idris. As many of my uh, Shake's first name is Malik Benjamin, so it is okay. a nickname. I like it though. There's a comment coming later that a the the person who wins this is Jimmy Butler. You could Jimmy a lock. Mm, that's a good point. You but is that is is that true? Is that actually an imperative? I don't yeah, think it is. Is it? I guess I think so. Or is he saying an imperative is like the comic book strips where? Like, bam, flashes on the screen. Like an onomatopoeia type situation? Maybe that's what it is, that it's an onomatopoeia. I I want to think about this more. Chat. Um, you can tell we all went to journalism school, by the way. Yeah, chat, help us out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, that'll wrap up hour three of this program. We are going to head into hour four in just a few seconds. Um, biggest news of the day so far. Draymond Green, back to the Warriors. Um, um, slow news day. Um, who am I blanking on? The Kyrie, Blazers. Kyrie back to the Mavericks. Jeremy Grant, Jeremy for Grant. a lot of money back to the Blazers. Um, Chris Middleton back to the Bucks. Uh, Kyle Kuzma back to the Wizards. Um, uh, who went back to Brooklyn? Cam Johnson went back to Brooklyn. Uh, the Knicks have not done anything. So we are in. Let's feel out how this last hour goes and see how much longer we'll still be on. Although there are still rumors about Dante DiVincenzo potentially, which um, may not happen tonight, which may not happen tonight, or we sign off. And then the moment after we sign off, all hell breaks loose. Well, that's obviously what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Be so mad. So we'll play this last hour by ear. We have some super chats to get to. Thank you, by the way, everybody for your generosity. Um, Also, someone in the chat suggested. Scoot Henderson. Could that Scoot? Scoot. Scoot. And, and I think that one. is his real name. I think that's his legal name, government name. There you go. Fantastic job. Mm. Keep, I'll keep paying attention to the chat, everybody. It's Sterling Freeman Henderson, by the way. I like Scoot better. Oh, oh that's honest. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Um, here we go. Um, here you go. Jostle focused. Who would you rather for the Knicks? D'Lo or Dante DiVincenzo? <laughs> Dante DiVincenzo. Mm-hmm. Not even close. Um, Travis Helwig. To respond to Fred, Jimmy Butler is the best player. His name is an imperative. I Again, if you... Sure. I, I will have to have a grammar police come on that. Yeah. Shout out uh, WGA, by the way. Writers Guild of America. Mm-hmm. You stand with the people's strike. Andrew, you're on mute. Andrew, you're muting. 
Yes, we stand with the yeah, WGA. Thousand percent. Agree. Hundred thousand percent. Oh, John's John's. Uh, this is why the person he got mad at at ESPN getting fired was a coach. He's with management. Oh, that that's what happened. I stand with, the with WGA. Management. Unbelievable. Uh-huh. Pro you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Jesus, Jonathan. You're going to put a put an inflatable rat in front of my building. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Travis. Pete uh, Bondurant. Jeremy. <laughs> At Jeremy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you read it. I thought we were doing that one. All right. <clears throat> Helen Kellyer. <laughs> I didn't love that one, but it's, it's close enough. <laughs> oh, man. You can tell the Knicks haven't done a thing in three hours, folks. Mm. <laughs> How many other teams have not done anything? I feel like most teams have done something. Uh, the Heat technically haven't done anything. They just lost Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. Rockets haven't done anything. The Celtics did Wait, Max thing Strews, Hold on, ago. they didn't lose Max Struess yet, did they? No, they I didn't. thought that that just was reported. No. no, they just lost Gabe Vincent. Yeah. So they just um, lost Gabe Vincent. The Grizzlies haven't done anything today, right? The no, Sixers have not... The Celtics Sixers technically did something. Day- oh no, they extended KP. So that is doing Sex- Sixers. Uh, Celtics did their work. Right? The Nuggets didn't, and all they did was lose Bruce Brown. Okay, Pel- so. Pelicans haven't done anything. The Thunder have not done anything. The Hawks have not. Right. So a lot of teams. Uh, Utah hasn't done anything. Right. Charlotte hasn't. No. Utah hasn't. Charlotte hasn't. Good job. Yeah, a lot of teams. Okay, so like a third of the league isn't done anything. Um, oftentimes nothing is better than something. Thanks, Pete. We are caught up on Super Chats. Oh, nice. Yes. Look at us. Wow. Great. Okay. I appreciate everybody. Um, yeah. So what do you guys want to talk about? I'm I'm just... I'm very curious as to the fact that we're, we're two hours in. There's been... I think someone had it recently. Maybe it was, it was Keith Smith or maybe Keith Smith just retweeted it. There's been like obviously over a billion dollars in contracts handed out. Um, the Knicks clearly it would seem it would seem thought that they had something going here otherwise why would Josh Hart have pushed off the option right that's what everybody thought at least that like okay I just if if we get I, I, look a lot of you never know what's going to happen. And again, if we get the report that Houston, and again, I think that's, it's, it's interesting to me that like no news about the Knicks and no news about the Rockets. I, I really do wonder about whether, because again, just let's assume Van Vliet goes back to Toronto. The Rockets have $60 million in cap space. <laughs> what are they doing with that money? You know, like I like, why not throw or or maybe you do a big restricted offer to maybe that's the the Austin the Reeves Austin Reeves team. Um, I'm trying to think if there's another restricted guy out there who's worth throwing that kind of a bag at PJ Washington, but they have a lot of bigs, the Rockets. So like, I don't Actually, know. The, I'll, the, I'll give you one name that I don't know if they would do it. Oh, are you going to? Miles? Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I don't know if they would go for it, but I think there's a certain price point when you have nothing to lose and you have to hit a certain threshold for your finances that if you feel like you want to take 
the chance on forcing Charlotte's hand with Miles Bridges? You could. You could. Also, per Jake Fisher, um, there was increasing word today that Houston's offer to Brooke Lopez could could exceed two years and $40 million. Uh, that figure had been widely rumored in recent days. Um, yeah. I think that a lot of the... I mean, naturally, the market's being held up by some of the larger names. Van Vliet, Lopez, Van Vliet, seem, it's... That, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's certainly a factor too, but it seems like all of the teams that were, hey, let's go in for the quick kill because we like these guys and get out, they're pretty much... It's settled. At least the dust seems to be settled in that sense. So, I, yeah, it's just going to be a waiting game now. I, I'm not saying anything that's earth-shattering here, but... I would be surprised if a ton of other free agents start to sign before the big names we just mentioned. At least one of them falls. <laughs> we, we were thanked for standing with the WGA. I am fully with the WGA. <laughs> the, the tweet in particular, Jeremy, said that they thanked us, you and me. Oh, good. Uh, I'll say thank. it's from Jeremy Hall on Twitter. Thanks us for standing with the WGA and then thank John for reluctantly, reluctantly joining them. <laughs> There's no reluctance. I'm fully with the WGA. John uh-huh. hates unions. Yep. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, so that's the biggest thing for me is obviously what, what the hell is Houston doing with all this money? He's a teacher. Um, <laughs> what? No, like it's the notion you would yeah. be against your, your teacher. Oh yeah, we just it's added just, a contract to it. Though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like you're part of a you can't relate, Travis. <laughs> like I, for, I read the room. I forgot, actually. Um. Oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You guys are cracking. Up. I'm the there's, one drinking. You guys are losing it. There's two. Uh, there's two super chats that just came in. Hold on. <laughs> Great. Renix. If we trade Obi, that's the other thing I wanted to hit on. If we trade Obi, is there a vet minimum bigger wing six eight and up that you would like to get? Wouldn't mind Dougie McBuckets in a trade for Evan Fournier. So, like, wouldn't that be something if that was? They looked up and they were like, maybe this is the best thing we could do. Fournier for Doug, Doug McDermott. I, mean, I don't think be, that's going to be the case. I don't but, either. It wouldn't be out of left field, but it, I, I agree with you. It wouldn't be. I mean, he's a damn good shooter. You know, um, damn for what they're using a defensive player. For what no. they're using Obi for right now, though, that's not that, that's Doug McDermott. Just stand in the corner and shoot. Yeah. Except you don't have for, to put him in the corner. You could put Doug McDermott anywhere right. on the floor. And you could run him off the screen. Doug McDermott in the corner. Well done. I'm, I'm saying that I don't hate it on its on its head, especially if like the value of Obi is just we're finding a home for him, and then Doug McDermott comes in to play that, and it's two six minute stints at the beginning of the second and fourth quarter. Yeah. So two factors. Number one, Doug McDermott, if he's with the Knicks gets the Evan Fournier, Derek Rose mothball treatment by late November, early December at the absolute latest. Number two, I want no part of Doug McDermott unless Kylo Quinn is signed to this team. <laughs> I need more Where's backdoor. Kylo cuts. Quinn playing these days? I don't hate it. <laughs> if that's a deal, for me, I'm making <laughs> Believe me. Uh, but, uh, okay, so what happened? One other possibility for Houston, I don't Again, I don't know that this is the direction I go, especially because they do have a lot of big guys, but uh, Grant Williams, restricted free agent, another guy they can maybe make a big play for. 
Possibly. They could. Uh, I'm actually so uh, spot track, which is so great and has it sorted by players who have signed and players who have not. And you just, I mean, if you look down the list of players, um, I mean, like there aren't a ton of guys like sure. Hachimura, but he's not a vet minimum player and he's restricted. It's hard to get him. Same thing with PJ Washington. Cameron Johnson's off the board. Uh, It's just, not a ton of guys. Not a ton of options. McDaniels. But even from, then, I just... From Philly. I, 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 he doesn't, would he definitely he play here? I don't know. No, I don't think he would definitely play. Yeah, yeah he might not. I, I wish we had a better answer for you, but, the, but I think the thing is that, like, the position you're asking about, it's... I think it's more scarce to find actual real quality players than maybe meet meets the eye at, when you think about it at first, because like there was supposed to be this, like such a frothy market for Grant Williams. And maybe that materializes. Maybe it doesn't. We'll see how much he ends up getting paid. But like the reason is because like, Oh, here's this guy who could be this like really dynamic serviceable. He could play up a position, play down a position, uh, back up, back up four, um, which is why. And then he like, for reasons nobody's quite certain about, it just fell out of Boston's rotation. So I don't know the player, the type, the player type you're talking about is not. It's not just something you could pick off a tree. It's it's hard to come by. It's fair. But we'll see what happens. Maybe they should keep Obi. Uh, Jasso focused. Mary. Bang. I was. Oh, was, yeah. Okay. I was like, what's? The, I know what he's getting at. Or mm-hmm. kill Tibbs low or cats. Sorry, slow news day. I <laughs> first of all, I love just the option that we would be saying that we would murder Matt Stacks, right? <laughs> like just the sheer idea of it as he is listening and following along. So I mean, I definitely uh, kill cats. That's easy. I would agree. I would agree. Look, you know, like when wow. I read that, when I read that poem the other day, I thought like, I'm so, I, I like, I think this is so funny that I would like murder you for it. Oh, <laughs> you know, geez. like, Oh, speaking of cats, Herb Jones, his predicted first free agent signing finally does huh. sign for what, what cats or stacks predicted. He would have loved that 54. if he were still with us after. After, after I just killed him. Killed. Yeah. Um, John, I feel like you would marry tips. Over Zach Lowe? Yes. I I don't I, I don't know the answer to the other to, to the I definitely kill Fred. That's what I know. You just said that like maybe 30 minutes ago that Tom Thibodeau should be in the front office as the GM. You don't no, do that no, with someone no. you're banging. I said he would You do that with someone you're married be. to. I said he would be. Right. But I'm saying like even the, the basic premise, you don't do that for someone you would just simply bang. You do that for like a succession. Tom and Shiv type relationship, <laughs> right? Like the, it, Zach, you could like you know. Okay, we, we already we, drink we, to Zach whenever we, you mention his name. Spent too too long on this question. I don't disagree. I don't think we spent enough time about. I this. think first of all, Leon Rose, do something, please. Um, second of all, 
No, don't be that guy. Don't be the do something, please. Let's not in that sense, John. It's for comedic purposes. We are now at the merry fuck kill portion of the live stream. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Can we have a transaction? You know what I have to say? Josso focus. It's about time someone asked this question. (laughs) How are we this far into the live stream? Three hours and we haven't had this. So I thank you for that. And then, John, are you sure that you want to kill Matt Stacks? specifically or Fred chats. That would be your choice. No, because those other two people mean too much to me. I don't want to kill either of them. You sure about that? Let me ask you again. Oh my God. Are you sure? Oh about yes. That? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it to his face. Yeah, you're you're out. You're on the out. Ouch, Are you Matt. sure about that? Sorry. I would Matt. I would bang Matt Stacks. That would be my move. <laughs> So you're you're now doing the exact same thing I was talking about with Silence of the Lambs. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I, essentially. Okay. Great. Essentially. I, I decided to come on for 15 minutes. Uh don't know why. Was, just kinda here. So busy, right? Just kinda here. We, just hanging out. We need watching. you here because nothing is happening <laughs> other than your the, the guy that you predicted would be the first to sign. Can I ask you uh some questions? Well, I I was I was close on Trey Lyles. You were close on show. I'll let you in on a secret. I may have known about that signing when I guessed it. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And slippery one, Matt Stacks. What Um, does Shams smell like? (laughs) Shams smells good. Success. Shams is is like very put together. Like he's always put together. He always has like every hair is in place. He's Mm. always, Shams is the hardest worker of all time. It's, it's in it's like honestly inspiring it's insane the only thing i can compare it to is to the people who like play with russell westbrook and like not not the ones that you hear like oh russ is a bad teammate with the ones who are like oh my god that dude's the most insane worker i've ever seen like i i didn't know that that was even possible i was having a conversation with shams once and we're, we always just talk business whenever we talk right so we're having a conversation and it was one of the few moments where we like opened up, didn't talk business. And I said to him, like, how often do you sleep? Like just how many hours a night do you sleep? And he said, he said four or five hours. And I said four or five hours. And he thought my amazement was how, with how much that he slept. And he goes, (laughs) yeah, man, you got to take care of your body. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's also, but it's also not good. You should sleep more than four or five hours. But look, that's why he's that's why he is who he is. I mean, dude is dude is relentless. He is the most insane worker. I've like like I think I work really hard, but he is you do. He's he's it's next level. It's it's like amazing. It's insane. So um, when should I start doing that, John? What? When should I start doing that? <laughs> Four or five hours. <laughs> yeah, I think you're you're not quite at that threshold. Uh Fred, tell me one one thing that has surprised you that's happened so far in the last uh two hours. Mm, it's a good question. Honestly, nothing has really shocked me. Uh okay. I kind of thought we'd see a lot of re-signings because that's how this CBA has kind of incentivized teams to be right. Your, yeah. your, your greatest advantage is re-signing your guys. And that's what teams are doing. Um, I guess the Bruce Brown signing is probably the thing that surprised me the most, just the dollar amount. Um, but with year two being a team option, like I, I, I think that was just about the Pacers have to hit the salary floor. Cause now there are all these new rules about salary floor where 
It used to be if you weren't at the salary floor at the end of the season, then you pay out the difference between whatever your payroll is and the salary floor to whichever players are on your roster at the end of the season. And now it's if you're not at the salary floor at the beginning of the season, you have to pay a fine to the league. That's the difference between your salary, your team payroll and the salary floor. And that gets distributed to all the players. So teams are just going to scramble. I didn't understand why that was a priority for the player association. They're still getting the money when teams are below the salary floor. It's just coming a little later. I didn't understand why that was like a priority in them for negotiations. Like they gave stuff up in order to get that rule. That didn't make sense to me. But to me, it's like, you know, the Bruce Brown one really surprised me in Ott's face. You're like, wow, what, what, whatever it's going to be, 22 million or whatever it's going to be in year one for Bruce Brown. And then he's off. But also like, you know, it's they got to hit the floor and kind of it's not that huge of a deal for one year, even though it's obviously like a massive amount of money. But th- I would say that's the one that surprised me. Kyrie getting three years, I guess, and a, including a player option. I, I, I wasn't totally convinced he was going to get it. And for what it's worth, at the beginning of the day, I was pretty convinced that Chris Middleton was going to sign for something in the realm of 30-ish a year. And then Brooke Lopez was going to go back to Milwaukee for something in the realm of like more than the MLE. And now that the fact that free agency is playing out the way it is, a lot of these teams are using up their space either on their own guys or they're trading for players to use up space. And Houston is sitting out there with a gazillion dollars to spend. I am wondering if the Brooke Lopez thing is going to swing. And if he goes and gets a big offer from Houston and signs with Houston, that's something that I, I, I will think is very, very unexpected. And Knicks fans in the comments, I know I'm just a fellow commenter too. <laughs> Calm down about them not making a move. If all you guys wanted Dante DiVincenzo, guess what? It doesn't matter if they sign him at 8 p.m. or on July 3rd. He's the same player and will play the same amount of games with them. So it's fine. If you want to dump for Tay DiVincenzo, you know who's still available? Dante DiVincenzo. So that, that's okay. I'd kind of be cool if they signed him tonight. I, I know. I, I <laughs> no, some of us some of us got other shit going on this week, Fred. Like that's that's fair. Not for nothing. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> not for I nothing. Would, <laughs> I would really it would be most convenient for me if they if they signed him at around five PM on Saturday. Thanks. Because yeah. that's the first night of summer league. Yes. 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 Exactly. The next day at 5 p.m. would not be a good idea. Oh, the next day at 5 <laughs> yeah. p.m. is really boring. That's what I meant. Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh no, I mean it's they they had Josh Hart pick up that player option for a reason. They they had him pick up that player option for a reason, as opposed to paying him 16, 17, 18 million dollars in year one of a contract. Look. Like they, if they weren't going to do anything, they would have told Josh Hart to go into free agency and they would have resigned him to a declining contract. They love those contracts. Yes. But but not for players after their second contract. Like that's kind of where the, it's hard to get a player on the third contract or later on a descending deal. But I'm glad that Hart opted in because I feel like with what Houston's doing, I could absolutely have seen them making a run at Hart. Because for every reason you're saying, they have to hit the floor. So they might as well just say, hey, all right, we'll sign Josh Hart for $20 million. Worst case scenario, we ruin the next day. Best case scenario, we add talent and we hit our financial quota. 
So I'm, I'm, it makes me all the more pleased that this is the case. And I guess DiVincenzo is really just waiting on Houston. If Houston goes another direction, he says, okay, just maybe not 12 million or a role here. All things equal, I'll go to the Knicks. But if if they need to offer him 18 million, it would be kind of outrageous, but it'd be understandable in the same way with uh, Bruce Brown and the Pacers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Houston, what they end up doing with their space is going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Do you think Van, Van Fleet Van Vliet to Toronto's done deal? Wasn't it reported? It's, no, it wasn't well, reported. It was... It's kind of not from anybody official, yeah. but yeah. I mean, I he, he's he's a guy I know Houston has wanted really badly. So I think that's, I've assumed, I, w- I would put from what I have heard, I would put Van Vliet returning to Toronto as the favorite, especially after Toronto re-signed Jakob Pertl. Like that really shows where their priorities are right now. They're not, they sent out a top six protected first round pick for Jakob Pertl in the middle of the season. They're, they're bringing back their Pertl now on a four for 80. I love Jakob Pertl, by the way. He's a really underrated defender. He's and, good. Yeah, really underrated defender. Uh, they're, not, they're not doing all those moves just to let Van Vliet walk, I don't think. Um, but if Houston makes some outrageous offer for Fred Van Vliet, you know, maybe we're having another conversation. Like Houston needs, they need an adult in the room. They need a grown up. Fred Van Vliet's a grown up. He's Dylan Brooks. Brooke Lopez the grown up. <laughs> no, you know what would no. be fun if Houston was like, "Screw it, give Russell Westbrook twenty mil." <laughs> <laughs> What's the most outlandish thing you think, uh, D'Angelo Russell? That's that's probably the most outlandish, semi-realistic thing I guess Houston could do, right? Yeah, D'Angelo Russell, Dylan Brooks. I mean, look at at this point, Houston's got to just kind of be talking about do we do the one year thing that like yeah. the Knicks did that one year, you know? <laughs> yes. Just, that one, uh, we remember that one year, Frank, you weren't here yet. We were here. Sign, sign a bunch of power forwards. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wonder that, if they got to be on the table. I also wonder if they would consider taking on salary. Like I look at the Raptors and if they're going to have Vliet back, which it seems like they might and Siakam. And if they are, steadfast with OG and they want to build around Barnes and they have um, hurdle that they've just brought back. At what point do they maybe knock on the door of say like a Gary Trent jr. Type and like, you know, cause they're, I just named six guys for five spots. So is Gary Trent jr. going to be happy playing off of the bench. He certainly did a bit of that last season. Like Grady Dick isn't ready to start, but he doesn't have to because he would still be playing around these guys. I mean, they would be losing the spacing that they have, but Oh, uh, as Josh Richardson goes to the Miami Heat on a two-year deal, homecoming, yeah. So I don't know. He just done something. They they have finally done something. I, there's got to be like um, you know, like that goes to what you were saying too, Fred, in terms of the value of like an Evan Fournier or Derek Rose before he was non-guaranteed or the team option was declined. When you have this excess salary, just hit your threshold and it's fine. So maybe they, there's some expiring deal out there that works for them. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem for Houston right now, and I'm with you, I think that's a really smart point, but I think the problem for Houston right now, it's clear that their goal is that they they need to be competitive next year. They can't just be 
another bad team. That's why we're hearing about all this noise. That's why we've been hearing for two years. This is the summer they're going to use their cap space. And at first it was Harden. And then it was, okay, maybe Van Vliet and Lopez and all that. And I guess it still could be those guys. And if it's those guys, I don't know how good you are, but you're something, you know. Are you, got, I mean, you're something. Looking you're not, around the West, like, okay, let's assume they're better than... <laughs> I don't even know where to fin- how to finish that sentence. Are we assuming that they're better than Utah? I they could be. They could be. Depends okay. on how much. Look, Spurs. I mean, it depends on what they're better he, than the Spurs. I, to, I agree. to be blunt, it really depends. We're we're gonna see what quality coach Stephen Silas was last year. Uh, how much of them? being 15 chickens with their heads cut off. How much of that was because the group of players that they chose had no idea how to play basketball. (laughs) And how much of that was because Steven Silas just didn't have them ready for games and they were not prepared for games. Uh, I think it's probably a little bit of a mix of both. I think Udoka is a big upgrade for them in terms of just X's nose and all that. Um, it's possible we just see a really, really big change in that front. And so if it ends up being like a ginormous change just from the coaching upgrade, and all of a sudden we see Jalen Green like not doing insane things, and we see Houston not setting records for turnovers and not setting records for on the wrong way for transition defense, then like... You know, and they have Brooke Lopez as a rim protector because they need a rim protector. And they have Fred Van Vliet as an organizer because they need an organizer. Then it's like, I'm not saying they're like a, a, a playoff win team, but like, could they make the play in? Uh, yeah, maybe. Jalen Green makes a leap. Maybe. If they get Van Vliet and Lopez, well, then uh, then uh, then we could certainly have this conversation. I'm, I'm again, assuming Van Vliet goes to, uh, goes to Toronto. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer 
fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird, B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Fred, Supermax contracts. Earliest sign, earliest can be, is that also midnight tonight for the Jalen Brown types? Right. Okay. And rookie I'll, extensions too, right? right? Well, I knew the rookie right. extension at midnight. I figured, okay. So, um, I, I would, listen, I, th- uh, that's Herb Jones again. Thanks, Woj. Uh, in terms of, look, I know this is going to be very much out of the field. I don't anticipate it, but, and he would ha- certainly, I would imagine, have a say in terms of where he goes if he decides to finally leave. But if I'm the Rockets, I, I, I have plenty of young players and picks available for a Damian Lillard type. And I've got a lot of cap space to offer for they these, these other free agents. Well, but again, it's, it's a matter of if Dame says, I don't want to be here. And if the Rockets come through with a legitimately good offer, I mean, something's got to give at some point, but they haven't I, apparently reached that point in forever. So I don't see a world in which Dame says he wants to be elsewhere and the Blazers don't essentially deal with him as if he has a no trade. Agreed. Like I don't I don't see a world in which the Blazers are like, okay, Houston makes the best offer. This team just won 12 games over the last three years. And you're saying you want to leave because you want to win a championship. And oh by the way, they're gonna to have to give up everything to get you. So now you're just going to a team that's even more strapped down. Like just be clear I do that. I was operating under the assumption that he would be on, he would have to be on board. It's not like we're sending, I just don't see have to want it. And I, I agree. The dude has been so loyal to Portland. He's been so clear about how much he loves that organization, loves playing there. If he's going to risk winning 35 games forever, I can't imagine he's going to want to win 35 games anywhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, like I I covered a guy who has a similar mindset. Like I covered Bradley Beal. Like there's a reason that Beal said, I want to go to Phoenix, you know, like he, 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 he wasn't going to leave the wizards to go somewhere else. He, he, the whole thing with, with Beal was if he could win a championship anywhere, he wanted to win a championship in Washington. He would, he would rather have won. And I feel comfortable saying this on his behalf because he's said it to me flat out. Like he would rather have won one championship in Washington than a million championships anywhere else. Like his, his favorite title ever has was, has always been that Dirk title with the Mavs. He loves it. He thinks it's so much cooler. Yeah. He thinks it's so much cooler than any other championship. And he and Dame actually have like a really fun, like a really, like a really interesting relationship. So they have this text history where the, the two of them just text about loyalty with each other. They text about like loyalty to the team and they ask each other for advice because they're in such similar situations and all of that. And, and, and they have these sorts of, yeah, they have these kinds of conversations. They have really similar mentalities. And, and I know like the reason that Brad was like, I'm down to go is because 
the wizards were bad and it was best for the organization too. So it's not like he felt like he was, you know, screwing over the organization that he cared about so much to go somewhere else and try to get a championship. Like he, he thought it was best for them and it, it was, and it's best for him. And it was, so he went to go to a team where he thought he could win. Um, I don't see Dame being, even though I don't know Dame just based on kind of knowing him through Brad, I don't see Dame being all that different, you know? The one surprise that I had was that there was some comment he made in the last couple of weeks where if he wanted to go, he didn't want to go to basically forming a super team. And so Miami's obviously circled in red ink as like the the team that he would then potentially slide to. And it's just kind of the thought process. Of if you don't want to go to a team that's, a st- it becomes a super team, and you don't necessarily want to stay where you are, again, operating under the assumption if he were to want him to leave, where would he even quantify going? Because a lot of these teams, the dust will have settled. It just, I, I agree that he will ultimately stay, but it also seems like Miami is totally comfortable moving in a direction away from him. Obviously, that can change. A lot can change, but I just, uh, you know, again, it all comes down to what he wants and the Blazers aren't going to move him unless... It seems that he wants to be out. Yeah. I, no, I mean, it makes sense. Can I, can I read you a quote really quickly? Please. Mm-hmm. This is from, this is from Bradley Beal in 2019. Okay. And I've been waiting for a few weeks to see if this resurfaced and it never did. Um, he said this to me in an interview with me in 2019. I asked him about if he ever, I asked him if he if he wants out would want to go to another team to win a title. That's how long this Bradley Beal crap has been going on for. This is in 2019, okay? <laughs> this is why I'm so familiar with the topic. <laughs> Brad said, I, I asked him, and he said, I kind of hate it. I hate super teams. And that's just me. Like everybody, just go get your own team and try to win with what you've got. It's like you need all it's like, but it's like you need five all-stars to win, especially to beat Golden State at this point. Granted, that's everybody's measuring stick, Golden State. They've got four, five, six guys in their team that are all-stars, so it speaks for itself. So Bradley Beal said the same thing, thought the same way. I don't want to join a super team. And then in the middle of his thought of I don't want to join a super team was ah oh, crap. The only way to win is to be on a super team. So do I want to win a title? Or do I just not want to be on a super team that bad? And he tried to not being on a super team for a really long time. It was like, oh, it's not working. Screw it. This, this, I need this. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's only, it's only human for, for people to think that way. So I just, I, I take those kinds of comments with a grain of salt. But you know what I find so interesting is that even though, like you look at the Durant trade and there are other trades that I could point to, but just we'll point to this one to Phoenix. You could argue very quite easily, actually that the nets made out like bandits, maybe not like bandits, but like they got Mikael bridges. Who's a, I mean, they treat him as an untouchable player. They got Cam Johnson who they just gave a hundred million dollars to, and they got all these picks. Um, so they got a, a ton of stuff. And yet, there was this feeling of like, because of the way it happened of like the sad sack nets, you know, it's, and yet there is, even though the Bradley Beal trade did not net a single first round pick, a lot of pick swaps, which are, I think maybe going to be 
directly interesting and uh what's that direct i'm sorry because chris paul led to a first yes, round yes, pick. yes 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 direct first round picks yeah um but they got the swaps like i say but like it was such a more positive feeling around that trade from the from the perspective of like the wizards like it, it was very copacetic obviously i think wizards are happy it feels like wizards fans are happy it feels like you know i don't know how suns fans feel i assume they're happy with it too but it's like you know you you do right by your organization your organization does right by you and it seems like you know you he really you know to his credit went about it the right way we'll see if if the dame you know situation turns out the same i that we were talking about before, I think you were watching, but like, I don't know how Dame, I, Dame could certainly walk into their, the owner's office and be like, I want out. But like, man, he's been $160 million on Jeremy Grant. You're going to go walk in and be like, I want to leave now. That's That would be something. Well, it all depends on how he phrased it to them in that meeting they had the other day, right? If yeah. he said to them, if if he said to them, you guys have to, if you guys don't do everything that you possibly can to build a winner, then I just can't be here anymore. And all they do is resign Jeremy Grant and they do nothing else worth else worthwhile. It's like, well, he made it clear to them. If he said to them, if you guys lose Jeremy Grant, then I'm out. Yeah. And then they resign Grant, then, then it's a little different. But I, I have a feeling that if he even said that, he said, you guys better build a freaking winner and stop thinking about four years down the line um, if he said anything at all. I don't think he probably said anything specifically about Jeremy Grant. So, you know, people in the NBA have done wilder things. I don't The damn thing is fascinating to me because it, it it is a really genuine, it's a very human thing. It's a very, it's a very human sort of interaction yeah. between the team and the player. Yeah. I found the, uh, Zach Lowe was talking about it on his pod the other day about how like people who kind of joke about it and laugh about it and think it's all posturing and this and that like the, you know these are two parties that genuinely seem to care about what they uh, purport to care about so uh, yeah it'll be interesting to to see what happens there um, I don't know I guess before, uh, you probably have to go although I don't I don't I, know. I can stay for I can stay for ten more minutes honestly my phone has gone. Has kind of kind of gone quiet. I've been texting with some people on this, and I I, I don't really have any news to report in the last. Is anything minute. else happening tonight? It feels Ke- like Kevin know. Love's back. Kevin Love's yeah, back. Kevin Miami. Loves back. Okay. Can we can we discuss the fact that Tim Reynolds referred to Josh Richardson as a heater? Tim Reynolds, by the way, is is you know the the I miss that the mm. most reliable guy on the Miami Heat for years and years and years. I mean, phenomenal reporter. What a heater. Is that do people call them a, a, a player on the heat? A heater? A heater. I've never heard it. I'm I guess I do now. Yeah. Do you think he meant a heat your <laughs> you meant that? Did he even say heater? Was this whole thing just a yeah, setup? He said no, he said, he said heater. heater. Yeah, he said Josh heater. Richardson is also a heater again. Yeah. He said heater. Mm. Um okay, so I'll 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 ask now that we've seen what's happened. Uh, Jeremy, how how would you handle things cap wise right now with the Knicks? Are you still just like Divincenzo, and if so, 
let's let's say DiVincenzo commands twelve point four starting calorie starting mm-hmm. salary. You got to give him the full mid level for the sake of argument, okay? Because sure. of that, that's going to put him a little bit into the tax. Correct. So they got to make some kind of corresponding move to get out of it. First name that comes up is Obi, right? Yes. What are you doing? Why don't we discuss Obi a little bit? Sure. I mean, the if the tax threshold is where I need to be under, I'm looking into moving Obi to a team that either has cap space or a traded player exception. I think generating that could help you out down the line. Um, obviously, most are unused, but it's the sort of thing where you're able to clear salary. Uh, the benefit of that, too, is that there might be at some point, like, for example, uh, when Kendrick Nunn and Rui Hachimura, when that trade went down, I mean, obviously, that was a one-for-one swap, but that was a small salary that a team wanted off of the books, and they wanted something in return for it, but maybe there's another team out there that's, they just need to move expiring mass salary. Knicks take that on. They then can package it because the salary wasn't aggregated and there's no trade restriction, and use that with any other players on the roster Come trade deadline time, we know that for the deadline, all three years the Knicks have made. Um, well, I guess you could say that, like you know, Derek Rose, Cam Reddish, Josh Hart. They took someone out of the rotation and some draft equity, and found someone that that could be in the rotation. So that is the type of salary you could do. Maybe you get a second round pick taking that on, in addition to what I was imagining is two to three seconds for Obi. So it's kind of like you know the gift that keeps on giving to an extent. But I mean, yes, that's how I would get out of the tax. Most likely there have to be suitable players where if you aggregated Fournier's salary and someone else that you could bring a salary back, that's also less. But if you've moved Obi for next to no money, you don't have to worry about saving money there because you do have the breathing room. So that's kind of where I'm at, where it just feels like you can't, I mean, you could stop there at DiVincenzo in Obi out and call it a day. I just, I, I, I'm actually curious to hear your thoughts in terms of the heart at the four. I know you wrote about it. Do you feel that that is something that is more shared by a lot of people in the organization? Um, is that something that's maybe more Tibbs focused? Uh, could you, I'd love to hear an elaboration. I'm not sure. Um, you know, I included, I included that line about them, you know, Tibbs feeling comfortable, about Hart playing the four, um, just because I know that's something that that's true. Tibbs has said it a million times before, and we've seen Tibbs do it. And and I even asked him before the Miami series if he felt comfortable with Hart at the four when Kevin Love was the four for Miami, and he was just like without hesitation, yeah. Which kind of tells me, okay, well then I don't know what four he wouldn't feel comfortable. Yeah. With Josh Hart guarding, you know, um, so I know I know Tibbs is comfortable with that. I also know, and this will be a callback to John's idea of GM Tibbs, which is he totally has like a a significant voice in a lot of the stuff that they are doing right now. He had a significant voice, like like as much as ever, and. You know what Tibbs is saying. I'm not saying, oh, what Tibbs says they do. I don't think that's the case at all. But they have a lot of voices in their front office. I mean, they have Tibbs and they have Leon and they have Wes and they have Brock Aller and they have Gerson Rosas and they have Frank Sannon and they have all these people in their front office who have voices. And Tibbs is right up there. 
you know? So I do think his opinion matters. I also think they know if we go and get someone that Tibbs isn't going to play, it doesn't really matter. Like he kind of has the Trump card there. Uh, and Tibbs loves Josh Hart. Now, my personal opinion, if you go into the year without like a conventional third big, you know, what, what happens if Julius is out? Yep. Like, that's a good question. You know, like I also think like, I don't get me wrong. I don't think Josh Hart can't play the four. I think Josh Hart can play the four, but I do think a lot of the things that make Hart good are that he has the, the traits of a big in a smalls body and he uses those traits of a big against smalls. But when he's playing against bigs, those things kind of get muted Mm -hmm. because he can, he can dominate certain smalls with the traits of a big, but in the other cases, he's kind of just a smaller big going up against the bigger big. Uh, And that's that to me can kind of mute what you have in heart. So I'm not, I don't hate the idea of heart being your four, but, but to me, when I think it out, I just, I wouldn't be shocked if there was another move that came as well, you know, where, where, where they were able to kind of make the roster make a little bit more sense, because let's say you bring in DiVincenzo and you trade Obi, all of a sudden you're exclusively centers and guards six, five and under and, and, and an RJ. And that's, that's it. That's your rotation. That's a very weird composition of team. It feels like one of those guards, six, five and under kind of has to become like a switchblade forward, you know, and then you've got something that makes more sense. I've had the same feeling in terms of heart is not the conventional four, and, and he's such an elite rebounder for his position. But if you scale him up, he's still quite good, but it, it decreases a bit, a hundred percent. Uh, I guess it's kind of why, again, I don't love it, but the idea of Tobias Harris, the idea of a Paul George, like someone who you know can see minutes there, like or OG body, or yeah, or could he even be OG? Um, But someone who can soak up some sort of minutes at that spot where you can flex them a little bit more. Because let's face it, if the Knicks just did DiVincenzo in Obi out, you know that barring significant injury to any of the players, their trade line trade deadline need is apparent. It's not going away. They will teams will know, Hey, they need a four and the market will, if it's even robust, will probably be challenging because the Knicks, the teams can prey on the fact that the Knicks need to add size. And that's why, uh, as Rui Hachimura agrees to hey. your $51 million. Wow. Deal. Speaking of fours that are off the board, these are fours who maybe are not the easiest to obtain. So, and that's why I thought you could maybe go bargain bin shopping oh, with a. I a missed. Kata. I missed the text about the Rui deal. Oh, because oh. Jeremy was making such a com- compelling point. I don't know how the the TV ESPN people do it. Like how Woj sits there on his phone and then still stays compelling on TV. Oh, he I don't know how he does it. Is what he does. He's no. a team. <laughs> <laughs> for 51, the guy was traded for four seconds. And it's to the Lakers, by the way. He was traded to the Lakers. Uh, we no, re-signed I, with the Lakers. I, I understand that. It's just... Uh, and I understand No, I'm the just reasons. saying to people yeah. that are listening later that might not have heard the team. That's all. Hey! <laughs> oh, yeah. Guess who's got a job? Good for him. 
Cam Reddish. Long hey. Last All right, we got Knicks news. Good. What? We got some Knicks news, kind of. What, Cam Knicks Reddish? Edition. Yeah, the Cam La- Reddish to the Lakers. The Lakers have been on Cam Reddish forever. Mm-hmm. Forever. When the Knicks traded for Reddish, the Lakers were the team that was offering the best offer to Atlanta at the time. I forget what the offer was. It wasn't a first. It might've been two seconds. seconds. It was two seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the Lakers were the team offering the best offer at the time. And then there was a possibility of a, of, of, of the Knicks ending up trading him to the Lakers. And that was a thing that was always kind of like mildly discussed, but it was never, it was never serious. It was, it was never a thing that that was actually going to happen uh, where they got close. Cause I, I just never got the feeling that the Knicks after trading a first for reddish wanted to then just like turn around and flip him for a second. I think the optics just like made that a complete no, no. Uh, and yeah, this has been a, this has been a long road for the Lakers wanting reddish and we know who represents reddish, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Clutch sports. And uh, I don't think, uh, any of that is a coincidence. And now he, now he gets a home after, by the way, a discussion that we had on this podcast at one point, months and months and months ago, the uh, Blazers did not pick up the qualifying offer for him. Yeah. After Which we discussed would seven, like, would have been $7 million, right? Yeah. More, more than nothing. He would have yeah, taken more that. Than, I would have to imagine, right? Yes. Yeah. $7.7 7 million. But however, yeah. Well, I mean, he's, I'm assuming it. he's signing with the minimum. Or at the minimum with LA, but I, I guess we'll see. Um, the thing you were just saying a bit ago before uh, is kind of proof that the Knicks last season, to a certain extent, were they were kind of injury proof, right? Like anyone could go down, and they could at least make an honest go of it. Whoever they were, whoever they were playing with, what they had left. Um, you're right, though. Now, if they trade Obi and, and Julius goes down, it's, it's a it's a different sort of situation. What about um, RJ at the four? I feel the same way as I do. I'm fine with RJ at the four sparsely. Yeah, like that, sparsely. That's that's good. You can play RJ at the four in certain lineups. You can you can play RJ at the four with the bench. There were times where that really worked quite well. Uh, you don't think but, he defend fours better now? Like that was one of the things that he can't keep up with threes and twos last season. So maybe the fours but now this is this is a contingency plan and like you said in some lineups if Julius goes down the Knicks have big problems if they don't have Obi Toppin it's not a terrible idea I mean I think I guess there's a there's a world where just like with the way the league is evolving that RJ plays more and more four throughout his career uh I I will say this is not based on sources this is just based on ways that RJ talked about himself during the season and and me kind of trying to read between the lines, I wouldn't be surprised if RJ's number one goal this offseason was to get some agility and quickness back. Like he good the way good the way he talked about his agility and quickness, like it wasn't just Nick's Twitter talking about that stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Like like he he was very conscious of it. He knew it. Uh I think he I think he put on weight. Last offseason, not in a got fat or got out of shape thing. I think he bulked up. I think he might have regretted it. He got sick at one point during the season, near the end of the season. Had something, I don't know, some bug. And 
he lost like a lot of weight because he had like a stomach bug and he he looked skin he like looked skinnier like he he must have been really sick uh and i think he missed a few games and stefan bondy just like casually asked him like did you lose weight Arjo was like, I lost, I lost almost 10 pounds from the stomach bug. Mm. We were like, that's insane. And he was like, yeah, I got to keep this off now. Ugh. And so it's like, and so it's like, and, and he wasn't like being like sarcastic, like, oh, I lost weight. Got to keep it off. It was like, yeah, you noticed that, right? I look a little better. Like, I think, I think that is probably an off season goal for him. And he, he had a weird off season last year too. Like he had a weird off season where he was, he he went up to Team Canada for training and didn't train with them because he was advised not to because he was waiting on his extension. The extension talks lingered. Uh, the last thing the players want to do is get hurt when they're about to get a big payday. So they don't really practice. But normally extension talks don't really linger the way that they did in that scenario. <laughs> um, and so like it was a weird offseason. I don't know. I just I expect him to come in looking more nimble next year that's my rj prediction hmm. i think he's gonna look better coming off the bat i'll pay it off in the playoffs I, yeah maybe because he got sick no, maybe that's what i'm saying if he, if, he, yeah. if he lost the weight and was i don't know maybe losing weight also helps in terms of the passing out of drives because that was a, a key component more clarity yeah. and some capacity i don't know <laughs> exactly. but it was working for him so that's great whoa yeah maybe maybe the key is in october we got the whoa got there the, it is Houston oh. swooped in okay Oh. They went to three years. Three years, one hundred and thirty. That is, they are paying thirty-three million dollars. Three million dollars a year. Okay, so for those who just heard the the exclamations um, and are listening, um, the Houston Rockets have signed Fred VanVleet to a three-year, one hundred and thirty million dollar contract. So he is leaving Toronto to go to Houston. That's Could good say- if you want Vincenzo on the Knicks. What? I would imagine that's a, that's a step in the right direction if you are the Knicks and you want DiVincenzo. Well, if the contract, if it's for 130, the least that the contract, the lowest amount that the contract could start at in year one is 37, 38, right? They had 60. What did they have? 62? Whereabouts? Right? Something around there. 61, okay. 62. Something 61, like that, yeah. 62. I mean, they could, still give, yes. they could still give uh, DiVincenzo. Um, well, it's, it's more a positional thing, is what I'm saying. I, I, not he wouldn't be the point guard, obviously, but it's more. I don't know. I just wonder how many, how how many minutes there are, especially with the players that. The well, have. so Van Vliet's going to start next to Green. Porter's still there. I mean, they have Porter on what is essentially a fifty. If they want it to be a, a fifteen million dollar expiring contract, can be. I, I don't I don't even know what you do with if you're trying to win games. I don't even know what you do with Kevin Porter Jr. If you're Houston. Um, David Chester can still go there and play and get and get minutes and get good usage. I'd, but there are a lot of now there. Are, I mean, it's a big mouth to feed, obviously. <laughs> 130. Oh, Jesus Christmas. Uh, could we call Fred Van Fleet the greatest undrafted player of all time at this point? John Stars. Ben Wallace. Oh, Fred's oh, got yeah, the winner. Yeah. That's a good job, buddy. But we I can think, call Fred VanVleet the richest undrafted player. Well, of all time. That is the correct <laughs> answer. Yes, I think we can call him the greatest Fred, at least of his era. Well, the other one changed his name to Matt, or apparently is now going by Matt. So <laughs> Matt Stacks of Substacks, yes. yeah. Matty Stacks, uh, uh, Matty Stacks, exactly. Uh, 
okay, Fred, Fred, Fred Van Vliet originally signed with the Toronto Raptors on an exhibit 10 contract <laughs> that guaranteed him $50,000. Yep. So first of all, what a freaking comeuppance. Now he makes, this is the max. He got the max. Yeah. And, he the was, max, and that first season, by the oh, way, max. he was up and down between what well, I forget their, the name of their G league affiliate, but he, he spent a lot of the time. Tor- the Toronto nine Oh five. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And, and he just got the max. So that is one hell of an undrafted story. And now that I have said all the nice stuff, I'm going to say, just because you got the space, Houston, doesn't mean you have to do that. <laughs> <sighs> Fred Fred Van Vliet is a really nice player. A really nice player. A really nice player. Do you think he's a nice player? Yeah. How nice is really, he, Fred? Really nice player. How nice? He's He's a really nice player. He's a really nice player. Mm. That's nice. that's all. He's a really nice player. Like what? That's the max for Fred Van Vliet. That's what you're doing with hey, your space. You're eating it up for years. What was the alternative? Like, the alternative was to go back to your owner, hat in hand, and get fired and get fired, probably. And and you you said something the other night. You spoke about how much of we you know fans watch this sport and they they assume these are all rational actors so, you know operating in the best interest of whatever their job description asks them to operate and you, i thought you had some very wise words about how but that's maybe not always the case there are perhaps other you know things at play here sometimes um well <laughs> if this isn't exhibit one of that i don't know what is Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Julius Randle's All-NBA season was more than meets the eye. In scoring over 1,900 points this season, Randle moved into 20th place on the franchise's all-time scoring list. He also averaged just over 25 points a night, becoming the seventh Nick ever to do so. Finally, he became just the 57th player ever to top 57 points. How's that for some symmetry? Yes, we're disappointed by his playoff performance, but even so, this season from Julius Randle gave us more than meets the eye. What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. 
Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Good point, that- Steve Popper, by the way. The how much are the Knicks play, paying Jalen Brunson right now? Oh, yeah. Well, that, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Fred, let me ask you something. Assuming this isn't, and it could still be, um, a sign and trade. What does Toronto do to replace Van Vliet considering how they have just the mid-level exception at this point? Because they are at $138.9 million when you consider the Pirtle contract estimate. Not a lot of other options available. I, I would imagine they'll try to go the sign and trade route, but other than that, I mean, if you're Masai, who's a genius, by the way, and has figured this all out, he he calculated this from the from the get go. How are you? How are you replacing Fred Van Vliet? That is a great question. Point, Scotty, baby. There aren't really. Yeah, I mean, you're <laughs> did it FSU? Run a lot of stuff. I mean, one of the options is if you're going to trade OG or if you're going to trade Siakam, then that's something that you target if you want to win now, if you're going to move on from one of those guys. Both those guys are expiring, can become free agents next year. So you target a point guard in that situation. Uh, Wait, can, can I harp on? Can I ask you follow up on that for a second? Does is this the sort of look every GM is different, but do you, in your opinion is when something like this happens, could it change your franchises? I mean, essentially change your franchise's course. Is that, a, is that a crazy thing to assume? No, it's not a crazy okay. thing to assume. It could definitely change a franchise's course. If we assume that they have to win now, then I don't know. Maybe they're the D'Angelo Russell team. Uh, well, that was the other name. <laughs> Or, or Dennis maybe, Schroeder, another Laker, Dennis Schroeder. Maybe they're the Dennis Schroeder team. Maybe they're the Russell Westbrook team. You know, oh maybe God. I don't see Westbrook being a, a, a Toronto guy, uh, but Schroeder. but maybe they're the D'Angelo Russell team or the Schroeder team or something. I, yes, I could see something like this changing directions. I just struggle so much to predict what Toronto is going to do. They're like one of the few teams in the league that no one in the league ever seems to know what they're going to do. Why is Everyone's that? Always- we could, no, sorry, I don't you because you we've talked you know offline and you, you talk about how news travels and I think fans have this perception like oh Fred Katz is is getting his leak from Scott Perry or Walt Perrin or someone from and I think what often happens and correct me if I'm wrong is you guys talk to teams who maybe will say what other teams are talking to them about how is it that Toronto avoids other teams talking about what they talk to them about? That's a great question. Uh, That is true. I actually try to make that pretty apparent in my reporting. I think it's important for reporters to be very transparent about that stuff. So I'll say like when I report like, um, for example, when I reported that in, in, in my free agency preview that the Knicks have been protective of Mitchell Robinson, you know, I said, according to teams who have been in contact with the Knicks, you know, it's, I think it's important to be transparent about where that's coming from. The Knicks didn't tell me that they've been transparent uh, or that they've been, uh, that was a Freudian slip. The Knicks didn't tell me that 
they've been protective of Mitch, you know, teams that have spoken to the Knicks and, and have done that have, have, have gotten that messaging from the Knicks. And so I know that's how the Knicks are, are handling Mitchell Robinson and stuff. Um, but Toronto, I mean, I can say Toronto has a pretty, Toronto has kind of a unique negotiating strategy where, first of all, the guy who runs their day-to-day stuff is their GM, Bobby Webster. And then Masai Ujiri is the one who kind of sets the agenda. And Bobby is like a like a, a full-on cap guy and is extremely diligent. And he will call around and just ask hypotheticals on, okay, would you be interested in this? Would you be interested in that? Would you be interested in this? And almost as if they're modeling, like, okay, if we do this, then we know we've got this to go to. If we do this, we've got this to go to. If we've got this, we've got this to go to. And Masai, as a negotiator, tends to be very take it or leave it. Tends to be like, okay, well, here's the price. Here's what we're doing. Here's the price. You can either meet the price and take this contract, or you can meet the price and take this trade, or you can choose not to. And you don't have to call us. So there, I, I don't get the sense there's ever really very much back and forth with Toronto. And it's interesting. Uh, I think they're they're such a diligent front office in general that they call and they want to find out about all this stuff that um, I think it's probably just difficult to decipher exactly what they're doing. But that's fair. I had never really thought about that, to be honest. That's that's a really interesting point. But yeah, there's some teams you just never know. Everyone's just kind of waiting on you're just waiting on them. And Toronto, I feel like everyone's just waiting on Toronto, waiting on them to see what they're going to do with OG, waiting on them to see what they're going to do with Siakam. Like, Siakam. I feel like that's what everybody's doing. I found that that uh, report to be fascinating that it, it, you know, you could put two and two together about where, where it came from, that Siakam's not going to extend, you know, wherever he goes, which was, again, that, that's just interesting stuff. I don't know. Yeah. So I just recognized that Fred said he had 15 minutes in him and we kept him for the whole hour. So, <laughs> oh, no, I don't I don't mind. I thought I would because I thought some some stuff was going to happen and I've been sending some texts and I, I don't. Feel if you like don't gotta leave, we'll gladly have you here yeah. as we. I, as we I will stay until nine p.m. Okay. Okay. Does and Brooke Lopez then, happen tonight? That's your question. Does Brooke Lopez uh, happen tonight? Not sure. Okay. Uh, not sure. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna throw it out there. I'm gonna say Brooke Lopez happens tomorrow. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know. Because I. I kind of thought coming into it that he was going to be done and with Milwaukee already. And the fact that it's not made me think there was maybe something out there, but they could just be talking details or something. Sure. Um, I still think could be, could be years. They can't, could be look at you tips. They can't offer him. (laughs) They can't offer him four because he's 35, right? Yeah. But it could be like two versus three or something. Two versus three. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Man, that yeah. third year could be, I mean, at the money that he's going to get. Yeah. But if you're used to it at this point, like, what the fuck's the difference? How much space do they have left? They have 20 left because the first year yeah, they could do it. Uh, is 40, uh, 41, 40.8 or whatever. So they have yep. 20. They could do it. Jeez, three for 60 for Brooklyn. <laughs> they could do that. What uh, what happens? Uh, that would be a, talk about a guy. I'd be fascinated to see the interest in and where the interest comes from and and what level of interest on the uh, trademark. I don't I'm not saying they necessarily trade him, but since since June, 
Um, it, it, interesting player. You know, we could do some just talk about a guy who could do some stuff on offense. I wonder what other teams. He's a guy that strikes me as someone maybe other teams would have uh, varying valuations on in terms of what what he might be and you know all of all of that sort of stuff. He's very good. I mean, oh, he's, offensively, you guys freaking tremendous passer. I actually, you know what? I think he's overly criticized defensively. Really? I do. Yeah, I think he had some moments last year when I was like, oh, he looks like he knows. I don't know. I put a lot of stock in the Rockets just generally as a team having absolutely no idea what to do at any point in any basketball game last <laughs> tell, year. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. <laughs> they were they were the most difficult over the last two years, one of the most difficult to watch NBA. I mean, I had I had a did I say it on the live stream the other day that I had somebody somebody said to me, somebody in the league referred to them to me as um the the highest level AAU team I've ever seen. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, eh, they're kind of a mid-level AAU team. They, they, they just had no idea how to play. And so I look, Sangoon is, is really smart. He's so smart. You can see it in his passing ability. And there are certain guys who, for some reason have an incredible processing speed on offense and absolutely none on defense. Uh, Obi Toppin comes to mind as the best Knicks related example where he has this ridiculously fast processing speed on offense and on defense, he looks lost a lot, right? But there were moments where you saw Sangu make the right rotation or get into the right place. And I'm like, that's it. But when you take a second year player who is somewhat raw and isn't like, you know, there's no world where he's going to be some sort of all world defender. It's just kind of, you want to get him up to okay. And you surround him with young guys. I mean, he's not as big as Jokic. That's a, yeah. so probably not. Uh, but can he be in the right place and be good enough offensively to still be a a, a vast net positive? Yeah. Uh, but but there were you know there were times you watch him. And it's okay, but you you surround him. He's a second year guy, and he's surrounded by other rookies and second year and third year guys who also don't know what they're doing. And there's there's no structure, and they're just running around like they're in mush. And it's like. You know, you kind of have to build structure around a young player in order for him to, there needs to be some kind of foundation in order for him to build on top of it, you know? And if that, that foundation is just quicksand, the whole building is going to sink. Like, and that's, that's kind of how I felt watching a lot of Houston's guys where I'm like, I don't know, maybe they're just in the wrong environment. So this is going to be to me a very interesting year for the Rockets to see like, okay, was it the players or was it just the foundation? And if it was the foundation, how much of that is recoverable? Is it 100% recoverable? Uh, did they just create these terrible habits that are going to go on forever? Um, you know, is it somewhere in between? Like, let I'm really curious on that. I like Sangoon a lot. I would be really in on Sangoon if I if, if I were on a team. I thought I could get him. That's a good call. Do you want to answer a super chat that reference one references one of your super chats earlier sure. before you get out sure. of here? Yeah, I would bang Matt Matt's stats. Obviously, uh, of course. Okay. This is from Adam. Onomatopoeia, the word sounds like itself. Example, bam, ouch, etc. Imperative, verb in command form. Example, Jimmy the lock or scoot over. So thank you to Adam. Thank By you the way, Adam. I don't know if you guys know, but when I sent that super chat, the response in the chats was the exact same thing as what you guys did on the pod. One other person said, bam, 
And then I said, bam, isn't an imperative. It's automatopoeia. And, and we had the exact same exchange. So I was really, I was really excited to see it just go down as if you guys were like doing a a live read of the, of the super chat. Mm. I'm just, I've taught English class and I, I, this is all way over my head or maybe it's because I'm half bottle of wine into uh, tonight's festivities. Blame it on the juice. How how much wine do we think Fred Van Vliet has had? If he is, if he could see straight right now, something's wrong. He needs to be. He, imagine just being that dude. I mean, I know he got paid last time, but he's walked Fred, away with uh, two hundred million dollars. I was about to no, uh, in his quarter career, of a, a quarter of a billion. Well, no, this, this is, was one thirty, right? This was one. His last contract was eighty five. Four for ninety six. No, no, no. Was, I think it was four for 85. Oh, you're right. It's, so it's a little over 200. You're right. You're right. And then yeah, I think he had it before there. that, like a two-year $18 million deal. Is that ring a bell, Fred? You're right. Good yes. memory. Two for 18. Memory. Yes. Very so good. Good I cannot, 18, I cannot believe. 30. Yeah. That's quarter of a billion. Yeah, he's quarter of a billion Close dollar player. Yeah. I cannot believe he got the max. You are flabbergasted. <laughs> Now, mind you, so they're $24 million away from, like, they've got $24 million in cap space, I, but they also don't have to use all of it. They could just use up to 90% of the, yeah, with being in the cap yeah, space. So they I could just use like $13 million or 12 I don't care. It just, it just comes down to like, 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 if it were one year, whatever, it's one year, sure. but you yeah. gave them three. So, I mean, look, I'm, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe we're going to see year three's a, the team option or something and whatever. I don't feel like I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that's happening. Uh, He had a 49% effective field goal percentage last year. Like he didn't shoot it well, but, but he had, and if you take out the year before it was, it would have been like 45, (laughs) but John, you're right. Like he didn't shoot it well last year. You're correct. But he had 51 the year before. And he had 49 the year before that. And he's got a 50% effective field goal percentage for his career. So like none of this is out of character. That's just kind of who Fred Van Vliet is. He's not the best player on the team. He is a really, really, in case you guys missed it, really nice player. player. The max? You gave him the max? You know what? Go go use your go use your space and sign Fred Van Vliet to like a normal overpay. Just like a normal be do make a normal overpay move. Like like go do what what the the Sacramento Kings did when they wanted Rondo, you know? Do like a normal overpay move. And then and then when just they like have a future first to open up that space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like have but but the actual contract, it was like Normal overpay Rondo, normal overpay Zach Randolph, normal overpay Trevor Ariza. That was what they did. And there were three normal overpays, which added up to a disastrous amount of overpaid when you added all of it up. Don't forget George Hill a few years later. Oh, yeah. That that was also normal, normal overpay. That was like 19 million, but it was was also like, but it was also like a very light guarantee on the second year, I think. So, so like it was kind of okay. It was okay. And like it wasn't, it was they were bad contracts. This has the potential to be the worst contract in the NBA. Mm. 
The small guard. What um, about Pat hmm. Connaughton, by the way? Names that connote an imperative. Oh, my Lord. Oh, <laughs> I didn't say worst guy. Pat's yeah, like worst contact yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Sound like a fine extension. Yeah, Pat Connaughton. That's good. All right, I win. You're welcome. Uh, okay, last thing before I let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, after pour, pour one out for one of these guys, uh, after Ben Simmons and Lonzo Ball, uh, what's the worst contract in the NBA right now? What are my options? There aren't that many horrific contracts. Exactly. That's why I asked the question. Man, really I got hard. one on deck if you need it. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear the one on deck. I think if he is as injured as it seems, uh, that Brogdon contract is pretty yucky. He, it's got three years left? It's two years. But that's, I mean, for a team like the Celtics, that's a legitimate contender. Uh, if he could play. If, but that's but that's the point. It's the it, 20. That's the whole conversation. If right. He play. If he, he play, wasn't yeah, there yeah. for them. He had his healthiest regular season in a long time. And then the injury caught up to him at the worst possible time for them. Yeah, it's not it's not as detrimental as like a Rudy Gobert, though. Sure. <sighs> you know, like a Rudy Gobert is just going to take up so much more, so much more space. You know, it's a lot of oxygen. Like I think it's a lot of oxygen. So I think I think maybe maybe that's your one. Maybe I'm not. I'm not. A, I don't know. There were a couple. I mean, there are a couple of contracts that have been signed in the last three hours that have the potential to be the answer to this the question. Gr- I mean, the Grant one. Oh, I guess there are three. No, you <laughs> know what? The Jer- I would. I don't think there's a world where the Jeremy Grant one is going to be the worst contract in the NBA. Not the worst in the, in the league, but he's a he's going to be thirty next season. He's getting paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two million dollars a year. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. I'd rather have Jeremy Grant five for one sixty than. Fred Van Vliet, three for 130. I think and honorable mention Michael Porter Jr., but they won the title, so there's a validation to it. And now, now you're making me look up Jeremy Grant's three-point shooting stats. That's where we're... He shot 40 from three this year. Did he? Yeah. Okay. Jeremy Grant had I a great corrected. That's fine. He averaged 20 a game. He shot 40 from three. He plays really hard. He's great in the locker room. He's got yeah. a tremendous work All ethic. Right. He's you, not going to fall me. off in that sense. Like, you sold me. Uh, I mean, there's another one. I mean, maybe I'll just say it. I guess it hasn't really hit me because it's only a few hours old. But oh, I, Kyrie, Kyrie might be the answer. Your favorite, favorite I'm player just, of a few people on this. Uh, I just, right. I just don't, I just don't need all of that on my team. You know, I think oh, you I'd don't want all of the, all of it. You're lost. I would struggle. I would struggle paying that much. That could and he can and, work as an imperative imperative. Don't Kyrie my team, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's become he's become a verb. He's a verb, yeah. Yeah, yeah I we think have that, to let that, you go because we're like an hour into you being here. I feel bad at this point. No, you know, the re- the only reason I said I have time is because I assumed something was gonna right. come up. You're here and till the end. It's coming up. You're here till the end. Then. Nothing's coming up. No, I, I should go because I should make some calls and actually do my job for the people who pay me. I mean, we we we've offered. Fred. That's hey, true, Jim. but I just keep I just keep <laughs> sending it back no. in super chats. <laughs> I just keep sending it back. Literally, <laughs> Jeremy Grant for the last five years is thirty eight percent from deep. Man, I feel bad. My previous comment. That's Jeremy Grant's a good player. No, like, I, I, yeah, I I, I didn't was, realize he was this 
good from from deep for this long. He really time. Jeremy Grant. I covered Jeremy Grant. He is an amazing worker. Oh, yeah, he did. He works. He works so hard. He's a ridiculous worker. Like he, he, um, he just has a crazy, crazy work ethic. And and so I, I feel like you're gonna pay. And he's extremely this extremely high character guy. And so like I feel like if if you give a lot of money to Jeremy Grant, it's like he's gonna work really hard. He's not gonna screw things up. He's going to be as good as he can possibly be. Like he's he's not gonna screw you up. You know what I mean? Sure. Fred Van Vliet, same, same thing from a character perspective, by the way. Uh, but Fred Van Vliet got a lot more money per year than Jeremy Grant did. Uh, Kyrie, not the same thing. Kyrie might mess you up. So I think my answer is Kyrie. I think that's my answer. It's good. It's a fine answer. Fair point. Um, Fred Katz, I, I, I don't want to wax poetic for too long because you do have to go make phone calls but uh it means a lot to us that you take the time um seriously yeah so, this well is a, this is a treat i'll tell you what <clears throat> it doesn't really mean anything to me because <laughs> i'd kill you if i had the chance <laughs> because the second i came on you were all like let's kill that guy what do you mean <laughs> you <laughs> the choices you gave me yeah. i didn't answer oh. the question oh, the choices I'm by the way i would kids, I would, I would kill, I would, I would kill myself instead of having a, instead of having to kill Zach Lowe or, or, or Tibbs. I would do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you this. I'll take one for the team. I know, I know the majority of the fan base, what their answer would be. And it's, they're not killing you. Hi, Tibbs. <laughs> you had a good run. Well, also, cause if you murdered Tibbs, you'd murder two people. Cause John in this world without that's Tibbs, I, like he'd be the, he'd jump right in front of them. It's the, the trolley problem. If anything. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, either way, I'll take I'll take the hit. Anyway, I love I love coming on with you guys. You the the show was was going great. I really enjoyed my time in the comments when I was just reporting. By the way, I broke the Joe Ingles news in your comments. We said that. Yes. Congratulations. I know. I heard you say it. I just wanted to confirm that <laughs> that you really knew. <laughs> you wanted to second source it. Yes. I broke broke yeah. the Joe Ingles news in your comments. I just thought it'd be really fun to break news in the comments. You know. And we appreciate it. Yeah. 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 Trey Lyles. You know, it's fun. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. <laughs> Although I got I got the dollars wrong on Trey Lyles. I thought it was going to be two for 20. Yeah, I um, thought it was going to be two for 20, but it was two for 16. Although we'll see. Maybe there are four million dollars in unlikely incentives. And that was why two, I thought two for I didn't, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Two for 16. Two for 20 would have been. No, I take back everything good I said. Maybe I would kill Fred. Jeez. <laughs> I know. It's unacceptable. It's I, unacceptable. Thank you, Fred. This was outstanding. We we greatly appreciate it. Go work. Thank you. Yes. Thanks, go, Fred. Go go work. Good night. night. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.